0: My name is Jenny Justice Neumeyer, and you are listening to Life Behind the Scene, Adulting Tuesday Talks, where our resident millennial, Rosie Martinez and I, discuss topics to help young adults maneuver career and life. We are currently walking through the book, The 48 Laws of Power, by Robert Greene, and discussing how those laws are applicable in 2020, and tips on how to apply them to your life. So, Welcome. And thank you for listening today. Let's get this party started. I'm Jenny. And I'm Rosie. And today we have guest host Scott Newmeyer, who uh, is helping us have a multi-generational discussion over the laws of power and brings um, his 40 plus years work of experience um, and a traditional point of view. I provide the Gen X point of view and...
1: And I'll be providing the millennial point of view
0: today. Yes. Yeah, so welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I was about to say welcome.
2: Absolutely. Yes.
0: <laughs> so um, we're going to start with the first, A lot of Power, which is kind of interesting. I started reading this. And this started as a discussion between Rosie and I talking about just our my work experience versus some of the things that she's already experienced. And then part of our discussion um scott about just life life um happenings that we have encountered in corporate world but you have mentioned that these laws of power actually can be not only corporate related but throughout yeah Yeah,
2: absolutely relationships as well but i think that probably one of the main things that we kind of look at when we first start this is that it's the laws of power. It's not the rules of power. It's not the suggestions of power. It is the laws of power. And the reason that it's different is that a law is just like the law of gravity. Even if you don't like it, it's still a law. And there's a lot of these laws that we will not like, but what we find out is, is that through history, um, they've, they've been very real. And so I think it's important to not only know them for what they are, not that you have to even use them, but that you have to understand them. And I think that that's the part. And I think that that's coming from a traditional view. I've seen those, these laws over and over uh,
0: in my life. Awesome. And in in, in you're right in that we're not, Rosie's over here shaking our her head no, just <laughs> from us perusing them. Um. Why, why, Rosie, do you shake your head no and we haven't even gotten started?
1: <laughs> I have an open mind. Um, I think some of these rules are just, or laws, I guess I should say, are just very interesting. It's something that I think, and maybe I think I can talk from, a, of course, a millennial standpoint, and is that you don't hear about these laws in school. I think a lot of the times, whenever you're in college or just throughout your career, it's the opposite. They want you to send out. They want you to do this and that. And I think some of these laws conflict with what your what you you get taught in college and throughout your workplace and just like the corporate world. So it's just very interesting to see that these laws are actually a thing today.
0: I agree. Um, it, and one of the things is the very in the preface it was saying that no one wants to be, you don't want to seem too power hungry, so you don't want to be, like, overt in your, in what you're doing, and, um, but on the other hand, people can feel helpless and miserable, which is what we're seeing a lot in today's society, especially with millennials, uh, when you are, quote-unquote, powerless, and so, apparently, there's this very delicate balance that you have to learn how to, manage, walk, maneuver, um, when you are dealing with these 48 laws. And, and it also said that we have to seem that we're fair and decent. Um, so we need to be subtle, congenial, yet cunning, democratic, and yet devious. (laughs) And, um, a discussion that came up between Scott and I was, um, that being democratic and, and PC and political, I don't think is, uh, necessarily a, uh, Hispanic trait or, uh, African American trait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause if we see something we don't like, we will say something, we will say something <laughs> and give you attitude and head shaking to go with it. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. And I, I guess that, you know, having the Caucasian, uh, viewpoint, uh, it is a little different because I think that we have a tendency as a culture to grow up with these laws of power and even, again, even if we don't like them, we respect them and I think that that's what happens now a lot is that even if you know the laws, because their laws are seen and it's not even democratic I mean, it it could be in a dictatorship, it could be in a communist, it's All of these laws are always there. It's whether we choose to accept them or choose to use them is up to us. And I think that that's a big part of this discussion is say, Hey, you don't have to use any of them. Just understand that they're there. Understand that you may be beating your head against the wall and you're not ever going to change it because these are the laws that unfortunately rule.
0: Well, and and another thing it said in the book, um, it said, if you don't want to use them, and you don't like them, and you're too good for these laws, guess what? There is somebody who's understanding them, and they're the ones that are going to be moving up in power, and not you. And so that's, that's one of the things that... Um, That it it talks about because, uh, yes, a lot of them, a lot of them go against the grain for me already. (laughs) So. So we'll, we'll dive into, uh, law number one, never outshine the master. And the law is always make those above you feel comfortably superior in your desire to please and impress them. Do not go too far in displaying your talents or you might accomplish the opposite. Inspire fear and insecurity. Make your masters appear more brilliant than they are, and you will attain the heights of power. And this is hard to do. So, Rosie, what is your take on that?
1: Well, I think about this law, and I go back to college. So I just recently graduated a few months ago, Um, and I think whenever I read about this law and I heard about it, You know, it's just interesting for them to say that you don't want to show your talents. You kind of want to hide those for a little bit or just kind of keep them there and make sure that you feel that you make your supervisors feel more, you know, in power. So I think at least for me when I was in college and now that I'm out in the workforce, you're hungry to show people, oh, this is what I learned. I want to apply this. I want to do this and that. And I want to take on this project and do more. So... I think this law is very conflicting with what I thought I should be doing. And so it doesn't go well with me, but it is interesting just to hear more about it. So I think this is an interesting discussion because um, it's definitely something that's not... that I don't know if I can apply. I could try. But at least I'm trying to understand it for now.
0: And and I'm going to bump this over to you, Scott, in a minute. But one of the key sentences that really stood out to me was... Uh, if you're not successful at doing this, your master, your superior, whoever is over you, your the authority that is over you will never admit the truth on how you make them feel because you're not doing this, because you are talented, and um, or you are showing it. But the book literally says, he will not admit the truth, but will find an excuse to rid himself of your presence. So that's the reality. And I personally have been in this position that unknowingly i outshined my superior i did not include them in my successes and i got rid of (laughs) so uh what is your
2: yeah i think that uh that happens a lot more than than people realize and then they're sitting there saying wow i did such a great job why am i not employed and uh you've got to look at you know, as your boss, you wish it could be a mentor or, you know, we used to, in corporate culture, they'd call it a rabbi, but it was kind of like the one that taught you. Um, I think that the minute that you start outshining the person that, they, they will quit teaching you. Mm. So not only will you lose your talent, the talents that you have will never be seen, but then you just kind of start fading away. But the other thing is, and most important, this is the gatekeeper. I mean, they are the ones, somehow, they figured out how to get that position. And they're in with the people that move people up. So you've got to look at them. They're in that that influence. They have that influence. And you want that influence for you to go, to get up to the next level. And the other thing is, never forget this. They may know everything that you know. Just because they haven't shared they may have greater talents than you even realize. So sometimes we think, oh, I know more than them, only to find out, no, they knew that and they knew even more. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the benefits of trying to make them look better is that they, they feel like you see that in them. And who doesn't want somebody to feel like that you like them, that you see that they're good, that they have these talents, all of that?
0: And, and I found it really interesting, um, because, um, I was in a, in a position and I had accomplished a project that, and, and pushed through a project that reached all the way up to the CEO, um, because of the accomplishment. This had been a thorn in the organization's side for over two years and I had the, I accomplished it. And in a roundtable discussion of leadership, I was not there. Um, The CEO said, I want to know who did this. Tell them thank you. You know, this was a a great feat. And my boss came to me and said, hey, I wanted to let you know that the CEO was very, you know, called this out, this accomplishment. And I looked at him like, thanks. (laughs) And um, I did not make him feel, I did not make him uh feel that he was part of that success. I just was like, Yeah, I did it. Thank you. You know, and um but this was a discussion that you have kind of we've had about that one particular yeah. situation. And you mentioned a couple of ways that I could have handled that better. To include him or acknowledge him or um in that accomplishment. And can you kinda of, like recap that?
2: Absolutely. Um Again, it is easy to bring somebody in um, just by saying, you know, I appreciate the leadership that I had from my boss. Um, I appreciate everything that he, he or she did to help me get this completed, to be successful in this. Just acknowledging them that they're there, that they had something to do with it, because ultimately they did have something to do with it. I mean, they were smart enough to bring you into the organization or smart enough to keep you there. So there is credit that needs to be there. And also remember, you know, the old standard of, you know, pride cometh before a fall. Um, We can get so hopped up on ourselves that we we miss the big picture. And I think that's really what it is. So if we always know deep inside, at least, that we're doing the job that we should be doing, then eventually it's going to be rewarded, you know. Um, good managers see good people. And even if your manager isn't a good manager, your boss is a good boss, they've got a boss. Somewhere along the way, somebody is going to see your brilliance. And not only that, but they're also going to see your ability to work with somebody that's not as brilliant and that you can still come together as a team, still get things done, and you're not always up there with your hand in the air saying, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me. Because everybody likes that. And I think even the millennial, you know, you don't, you don't, you like to still, you like to feel like you accomplished something. Right. Right. But you also don't want to feel like, you don't want somebody jumping in in front of you either saying, oh, it was me. It was me. Mm-hmm. Especially when you feel like you did just as much as they did.
1: Right. Right. And I think that's one of the things that I've noticed with just hearing the conversation going and I'm um, reading more about the law. Um, and let me ask you something, Scott. So in. What would be some advice that you would give to a millennial that's um, either interning for a company, they have a supervisor, and they really want to show the supervisor that they can do the job? So what's one way that, you know, they're not there annoying or saying, hey, this is what I've done. I've done so much and I can do this and do more. So what's a way that they can go and handle this in a more, I guess, quote unquote, professional manner according to this law?
2: Right. So, especially when you're looking at something like interning, although, you know, we say it's an intern, but when we take a job someplace, we're an intern regardless of what it's called. Right. So, the point that as a as a manager, what they want somebody is teachable. So, if you want to show somebody you can do the job, it's showing them that you are teachable. Showing them that you're saying you ask the questions. You ask good questions. Not questions just for question's sake, but you ask questions that you, they can tell that You've learned as you've gone along right. and that you're trying to progress to the next level. Not trying to necessarily do it on your own, but asking questions, say, hey, what can I do to get to here or get to there? Mm-hmm. Or even better, what did you do when in your career to get you where you are when you were here with where I'm at? Gotcha. And they love that because everybody likes to tell their own story, You know, right. their own story of success and so you know like they say everybody likes to hear themselves speak Mm -hmm. what's that same thing only make sure that you're practical about it you know and you're getting that and i I think that especially internships though everybody wants to know somebody is teachable Mm -hmm. that's it you know there's a lot of talented people that are not teachable
0: and this this law actually encompasses two i guess sub laws um and the the first one was um this law involves two rules that you must realize first you can inadvertently outshine a master simply by being yourself um, when especially if you're dealing with a um, supervisor or a superior who is an introvert and you're an extrovert you can easily out you know talk you can be the more engaging personality this is an example of something, to me, that would be inadvertent. You're not meaning to outshine your boss, but just the, by the nature of who you are, which is what it's saying, it can happen. So what would be some, what, how, how can you counteract that?
2: I think first you've got to look at what is your goal? Why are you in a job that you're in? You know, I mean, that's the thing. In other words, if you take a position and you say, all right, all I want to do is be good in this position and that's it, then that's fine. Then you can do a lot of different things. It's not going to matter. You can maintain that position just by your own talent. But if you say, no, I want to grow. I want to be as a director or a manager, a VP, a president, whatever, then that's when you've got to start taking into account everything, including who your boss is now. And you have to look at what their weak points are. And what you've got to figure out is how you can bolster their weak points without knocking them aside. And so you do have to be careful. And again, somebody that's an introvert, they're introvert because they're uncomfortable usually in social situations. It is not that they're not knowledgeable. Usually they're very knowledgeable. So what would you do then? You would bring them into the conversation. You would say, hey, you know, that they don't want to talk about it, but you can usually bring them in. And when they're talking about a subject so, that's important to them
0: Can you give like an go. example? Like Rosie is the client and and I'm your introverted, quiet, make shy
2: Right. So um, my boss is an IT specialist, right? And knows how to build an app or how to do all these different things. Mm-hmm. And we're with the client discussing the app. Mm -hmm. right and Rosie's talking to and we're discussing everything and he's just sitting there and he knows exactly how to build this app everything that needs to happen right right? but if you're the one talking then the client is going to automatically go to you and start talking to him so you've got to find something that you're talking about and bring them in say you know hey Joe you know remember when we were doing this app remember what you talked about when we were doing this and bring them in so that the client knows Joe built this or Joe had the part of this or Joe planned this. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the client will say, oh, look, so Joe really was doing this, really right. had something to do with it. And then Joe can talk. And then Joe can feel good about it because you've acknowledged his, his part, his role in it. it. Everybody has a role. And, you know, sometimes each role may not be as big as the other's. But we can still magnify the role by how we talk about it.
0: And the the second one was never imagine that because the master loves you, you can do anything you want. (laughs) Which, what? (laughs) That's a (laughs) newsflash. I thought that's what that meant. Um, So, what do you, how do you take that? Rosie?
1: Um... I mean, I think I'm kind of just still mind-blown by the law.
0: Um, I, um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think with this one, I'm kind of just taking it in. Um, it's just interesting to see how it all works. And I think we all see it in one perspective. And with what Scott is saying right now, it's like we're turning a whole 360 turn, and we're looking at it from a whole different perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so... It's just interesting to see how, you know, we see it one way and there's different ways that we could see it. Right. So, I think for me it's just interesting and I'm just taking it all in for now.
2: (laughs) I would say after my, you know, my experience, what I have found out, every place that I ever left did not go out of business. There was somebody that filled my spot. No matter how much my boss loved me or anything else, somebody will fill your spot when you leave. So we can, we can, our value as an employee, sometimes when we think our boss loves us, wouldn't ever do without us, we're wrong. Because one day they will. And so you've always got to remember that.
1: Right. And I think, you know, this is something that I've seen with some of my friends that have graduated college. Um, they get comfortable in a position and... You know, they start saying, well, this is boring to me now and my boss loves what I'm doing and this and that. And so they start to kind of deflect from why they're actually there. Mm -hmm. So they get a little too comfortable in what they're doing. And they're like, well, you know, I can do better. I can find something else. And they leave and then there's nothing else for them. You know, they struggle finding a job. And I think it goes back to the law with what you just mentioned. So I think it's just interesting to see how... If you try to piece it together with what's going on, whether it's with your friends, your own career, you can kind of put, you know, one piece and another piece together. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And also, um, why are you the master's favorite? What, how did you reach that? You reached it probably by talking well of them, by doing your job, by making them look good. So those are the reasons that got you. Don't forget that. I I can assure you, you didn't become their favorite just because you were a nice person.
0: Because you were born.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Which this also specifically says that. It says, remember the following. Never take your position for granted and never let any favors you receive go to your head. Because I think once it goes to your head, then, then then you feel like you've achieved a level of power that... You have not. Right. And then that thus becomes your descent to ultimate destruction. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> well, I think um, the one point we always have to remember, we've never arrived. Yeah. We always want to arrive, but we never do. That's true. It is a mm, constant. That's true.
0: This next part, I know Rosie and I kind of think a lot of the same, even though we're two different generations. <laughs> um, this one is going to just make your, what is it, feathers? Ruffle or something, just like, eh. and it says, first you must flatter and puff up your master. Oh no! It <laughs> um, says so, discreet flattery is much more powerful if you are more intelligent than your master. For example, see the op- It may make it seem the opposite. Make him appear more intelligent that you are. Act naive, which is kind of what you were saying, Scott. Um, make it seem that you need their expertise. Commit harmless mistakes that will not hurt you in the long run, but will give you the chance to ask for help. So smart. Uh, masters adore such requests. A master who cannot bestow on you the gifts of his experience may direct Rancor and ill at you instead. Rancor? Mm-hmm. So... Wow. Well,
1: I have a confused face with this one. (laughs) I know y'all can't, you guys can't see it, but I guess one of the questions that comes to my head is, how do you know when it's too much? And I say that as, you know, when do you know when you're asking too many too many questions that they might think, oh, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, or they're dumb, or they just don't seem like they know what we're doing. So how do you know? What's the balance? When it's too much, yeah. And when is there a balance between that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't love this one either. I, I don't think anybody does. Somebody, some of them are, some people are much better at it. You know, it comes natural to them for whatever reason. They're pretty good, right. um, But I, I think that it's important to ask questions of substance. You know, I think it gets stupid when you're just... When, because they'll figure out just asking questions ask questions, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it'd be kind of stupid to come in every day and say, hey, what time do I need to be to work in the morning? Every day, <laughs> what time do I need to be to work in the morning? Well, you
0: know? that's actually a very good question for millennials. <laughs> well, in case you hadn't seen it. Maybe so. <laughs> We like to sleep
2: in. Right. But, but, you know, um, every manager eventually gets to the point where, you know, I don't mind ask, answering questions, but I don't want to keep asking, answering the same question. So it has to be a question that makes sense, it has to be a question that has substance, right? Right. And, and then, you know, you can't say, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart, you know, wow. Um, but you can say, wow, I really appreciate that, you know? Mm-hmm. and. Um, it has to be sincere, you know, and, and I guess that's the trouble with some of these laws is having sincerity when you do it. Mm-hmm. Because if you feel like you're manipulating everybody that you're doing this to, then sincerity is the usually the last thing that you can kind of bring up.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> so that's why I'm saying on all of these things, you can be sincere if you really have your goal involved. If you really see where you're trying to get, then you can be sincere because you sincerely want your goal. And if that's the person that's gonna help you get there, then by golly, then I'm gonna do it.
1: Right.
2: You know? Besides, if we look, we can find things to compliment people about, you know? I mean there are things. So
0: you have to look very hard on some people, but
2: some people it's almost impossible, hard. you know, but but they're like there, them. you know, so just search those out, you know, and, and lift them up. You know, that's the idea. We can be encouragers. Puff up. Everybody loves encouragers.
0: Oh, this is true. So that that could be the to be the encourager. Um, the there was one um, it, th- that was part of the rule of how you can inadvertently just by being amazing yourself <laughs> outshine your uh, superior. If you cannot help be being charming and superior, you must learn to avoid. Um, The people who get really impacted by it Um, because there are some people who are like very uh, they say they reference the monsters of monsters of vanity
2: (laughs) so I uh, part of the problem is sometimes you almost have zero control and this happened to me um, years ago I was uh, we were with a client the client now is i won't name drop but multimillionaire wasn't then but anyhow i went to work for another guy and we were kind of friends went to work but we he was we were his customers and so he came in right after i had started we were in a meeting and he said man he said you know this is the worst thing that could ever happen and and jokingly and he says because you know blank Man, you were such a tough negotiator. And this was my boss he was talking to. You were such a tough negotiator. And he said, my gosh, then you brought in Scott, and he is worse than you when it comes to beating me up. And I saw my boss's countenance change immediately. He was not happy because he, that idea that he was the strong negotiator was something that he lived with, that he had to have. And immediately the, the whole mood, the whole tone of the meeting changed. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, evidently you've just not seen you know and he kind of went into this very aggressive side. And, and I just good. looked at him and I kind of jumped because I was I had no I didn't do anything but I had to kind of go in and say, well, you know I appreciate everything that you've said, but man you know I can't tell you how many times, Blanc block told me to do this, and, man, I used it. And I was trying to, you know, but it was just something that, you know, you had to be careful. And also, I can tell you after that, I never negotiated anything with that, <laughs> with, that. <laughs> with him again. So, uh, so yeah, it is, it is tough because, you know, so I think you've got to be really careful about those situations that you can get into. Right. Because...
0: It, it can, and uh, but then I guess to your point, that's when you have to conscientiously make it, make it known that actively putting them in front, yes, mm-hmm. um, because you accidentally outshine them because yeah. that can happen. Right. I mean, it's happened to me more than once. Yeah. Don't
2: um, be happy. Don't take it as a good thing because it is not a good
0: thing. You're like, yes, I'm awesome. Yeah. i yeah. And, and you're did. unemployed.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: With all your awesomeness sitting at the house. Yes. Um, so to kind of wrap this up, uh, I'm going to go back to the book and it said, in all of these cases, it is not a weakness to disguise your strengths if at the end of the day they lead to power. By letting others outshine you, you remain in control instead of being a victim of their insecurity here here hmm. just let that just marinate <laughs> so in all these cases it is not a weakness to disguise your strength if at the end of the day they lead to power and on that note we'll see you next time bye bye Wow. Such an interesting law. Click on the link to join our LinkedIn group for Adulting Tuesday Talks and keep this conversation going. What do you think about never outshining the master? Has this happened to you? Now that we have broken down this law, do you see where this has happened or is currently happening in your life? Let us know. Thank you for listening. This is Jenny signing off until next week. Have a good one.